Welcome back to Jack Howard Colour, the podcast. Today's guest is Shauna Russell. Shauna's a fantastic guest talking about her journey with over 30-something years in the industry. She's talking about the big reset and how she changed her career. Welcome back to this episode of Jack Howard Colour, the podcast. I am really, really excited today. My Instagram friend and soon-to-be in-person friend at some point once travels and restrictions change, Shauna Russell. Shauna, welcome to the podcast. I'm so thankful we could get this sorted and get you on here. Thank you so much, Jack. It's been like something I've known you on Instagram for so long and we started talking recently, but I've always uh, looked up to you and your work and being with Schwarzkopf, loving the Schwarzkopf product. So this is like a dream come true for me to be able to chat with you today. Oh, thank you so much. But listen, this is really about you and about your vision and your journey. And mm-hmm. I really want to kind of get to know a little bit more about you. I know that you're the, I'm just reading from my notes here, the Schwarzkopf Canadian ambassador and influencer yeah. for whatever influencer means. It's a, it's a strange word, isn't it? Um, you own your own salon, you're a business partner. You're an apprentice program mentor, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting one, really cool to talk about. A BTC member, of yes. course, and behind the chair. And also you're a blonde specialist, but you're a, a like a colour makeover specialist as well. I mean, you do some massive jobs on Instagram. They're huge. I do. Like colour corrective has kind of become my thing. Because so many blondes are coming to me and, you know, previously to being in my chair, they just have all these issues with their hair. They're not getting the blonde that they want. Um, There's breakage that has ensued. And so they come to my chair. I have to deal with, you know, the breakage. I have to deal with orange and yellow, try to get them evened out and try to get them to the blonde of their dreams. So lots of corrective work. Lots and lots of work in that and lots of thought process processes to get to that point too but where did it all when and where did it all start for you it goes back to like 1988 is when I graduated high school yeah and I actually took my course in high school so at that time I could take my full um, diploma program for grade 12 and then also I could do the hair program so In grade 10, I literally just took it just because I thought, hey, this sounds cool. Like, this will be fun to do. It'll be easy credits. So I took the grade 10 um, program. And then my teacher, I'll never forget her. Her name is Mrs. Jolly. And she, she was literally my inspiration. She pushed me more into this career. I never thought of it as a career. But she pushed me into this. And she saw something in me. And so she wanted to work with me because back in those days, it was roller sets, perm rods. I would say that's what we did most of. And I could not get the perm rod thing. So she wanted to work with me, you know, on all my afternoons. So I would come in in my afternoons and um, by grade 11, 12, like I was already taking clients in the school and I already had like a clientele in the program. So I ended up graduating the top of my class and um, yeah, and I just like went into this career that I wasn't even thinking that I was going to do, but it just, I seemed to fit right in. So that's where it started back in high school. I think that that is, I think it's brilliant. And a lot of our guests have come on and said, especially a sort of North American Canadian mm-hmm. have talked about how at high school they could you know, look at trades and get qualifications. Mm-hmm. And things like, because not everyone's destined to work behind an, in an office. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not for me. But there are the opportunities to learn those skills, you know, start getting in the going with those skill sets are, are earlier for some people. And I think it's, I think it's really neat. And we should be celebrating more of that. That's sort of career options for young people. Yeah, I feel like, I think my whole package cost me maybe $200 for my parents to pay and and yeah. I got a whole career out of it it's like crazy right <laughs> crazy it is crazy yeah. but it's it's fabulous to hear how people start you know I I started hairdressing because I was a Saturday boy you know at mm-hmm. 12 13 14 and when I when I got kicked out of school I really had it was either work in a shop 
go and work in an office, you know, or go and be an assistant in a hairdresser's. And that's what I chose, not knowing that uh, where it would lead me. Yeah. And it's sort of the, the career is amazing for us when we look back at it. And there's still so much more to do, which is what's so cool. It is so cool. Like, I just feel like, I almost feel like we had a reset probably 10, 15 years ago. And that it was almost like the beginning of another career with being social right. media, influencer, all the different things that are going on in our chair. And now I feel like, it, yeah, like we're almost like just getting started. Like yes, even, it does feel like even, at, way, even at our age, like I just feel like this is something totally brand new from where we started. Yeah, yeah I agree. I've not really thought about it that way, but I suppose that yeah. I left the US the first time 11, 12 years ago. And so that was a reset. And that's really when I Instagram became started becoming mm-hmm. a thing. So that was definitely a reset. So yeah, you're right. I hadn't looked at it like that. Well, well yeah. thought. Right. So I think I owe everything to this teacher, Mrs. Jolly. I owe like, you know, she was my inspiration back then. She pushed me into it. You know, and then it was just uh I worked in a different province for about 15 years, I think it was. And I, I had a really good clientele. And then my husband and I, he, he wanted to move to a different province, Vancouver, BC, where I live right now. And so right. um, we literally moved here with no jobs, no, no place to live, like nothing. We sold our house and moved here. And I had to start with a brand new building up a clientele from scratch. So that was about 15, 16 years ago. We lived in a motel for one week how we could find a place to rent. <laughs> it was like, oh, crazy times. And we had our daughter. And then um, I took six months off. And then I was so scared to start again, building my clientele. Um, but I just had to do it. So I had to go pound the pavement and hand out resumes and start from scratch, just like I did when I was an apprentice. It's a, it's a humbling experience to do that, isn't it? To walk in and be an mm. unknown somewhere right? and know that you can do it but that nobody acknowledges that around you and to start and to literally start all over again. It certainly mm-hmm. changed, it changed how I looked at people, I think, and how I looked at myself as well. For sure. But let's go back to baby Shauna, right? Mm-hmm. So she, you finished high school, you've got your qualification. What did you do? Did you go into a salon? So I had this uh, lady where I did my work experience at her. Um, she had a hair salon called Red Snippers. And uh, she was trained as a barber. So I started there. And in Alberta, you have to do uh, your apprenticeship with the government. So that took about a year. And then I also had to do a journeyman apprenticeship, which took, I think, another year. And then you have to do your testing with the government after each of these things. So I actually have a journeyman ticket. Now, let's let's talk about that. Because, of course, qualifications are different everywhere you go, aren't they? So... Um, in the UK, we have our MVQ system, our city and guilds um, that you can go through, but you don't legally have to do any of it. Mm-hmm. In America, they do their hours and then they're, and then they're um, in their state that they can work. But in Canada, you have to go to college that you did at high school. Mm-hmm. Then you have to do an apprenticeship Just for a year. Actually, it's province by province. So where I live right now, right. you do not have to be licensed with the government at all. You could literally go into a salon someone train you under their wing and become a hairstylist. You don't have to be licensed at all. Right. But in um, where I'm from, Alberta grew up, you had to be totally licensed with government. So it took me about two years. And what's the journeyman thing? What's that? Um, It's just like where you have to do a certain amount of hours after your schooling. And then you have to go to the government and I had to do a practical and a written exam. And then you, you actually just get like a journeyman license card okay. and then I decided I wanted to get my red seal which means if I travel interprovincial I don't have to redo any testing or anything I can just right cool. so that just allows yeah. you to work in any yeah. any any area within the yeah that's very interesting isn't it so, do you think that we should make it easier for people to be to become hairdressers or should we have more of a kind of license that sort of fits across countries and an industry standard I I do believe in licensing um I feel like 
if you have a natural born talent, then for sure you could probably just be taken under someone's wing and, and be an amazing hairstylist. But I believe in the licensing, getting the foundations. Um, like I personally will not take anyone, even after they've done the full hair program and graduated from that school, I will not take them and let them go on the floor. That's why we created the, the apprenticeship mentoring program. So they have to do that yes. at least eight months to a year with me before I leave and let them be on the floor. So I do believe in licensing and I wish it was countrywide or, you know what I mean? All across North America be kind of the same. Yeah. A set, a set right? standard. Yes. I, I think, yeah. I think that, I think you're right. If people, if they're inherently talented that they'll, they'll do fine anyway, but we do need, I think to a professional body needs a professional standard that everyone works towards. I think. Yeah. I think more regulating. That's for sure. Like even with COVID, I have found because there's no regulation here for anything. Um, it's just really hard to know, like, what are the set regulations for our industry? Yes. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's speaking to the government for us? Exactly. I think that was one that we found exactly. in the UK. We didn't have we didn't have one solid voice mm-hmm. to to speak for the whole industry. There was, you know, independence got a voice from yeah. someone and someone's got a group and someone. Yeah, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, so Shauna goes into a, into a salon and she's got her she's done her journey and so she's on the floor basically. What 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 were your hopes and dreams then as you look back on yourself? Honestly, I think I was just trying to survive because <laughs> uh, like I was trying to survive. So I think you have to fake it till you make it, and I feel like that's a huge difference between the generation now that I see coming in. Not saying they're not amazing. I, I see some really amazing talent with the girls, but there's so many people like, I don't want to do men's cuts. I don't want to do short hair women's cuts. I don't do perms. I don't do this. And I don't do this. So I think when, when I started, like I had to do everything. Like my, my, um, the owner, she, the government paid half my wage. And I started at minimum wage, which I think at that time is $6.75 Canadian. So she got paid, she only had to pay me half. So $3 and something, right? So she pushed clients on me. Like I was busy, but in two years, I built up a clientele, but I never said no to anything. Like I just, you know, you got to put in the grind. And I never said no. I took anything that came my way, even things I was either nervous about, or um, I'm like, I don't want to do this, or this isn't my something that I want to keep going as my specialty. I just did it all. And in two years. I don't think we had specialties back then. Really. No, we I didn't. mean, you know, yeah. you you have you did have to do everything. You had to do men's haircuts, women's haircuts, you had to do perm. I mean, pieces and permits, we were called. You had mm-hmm. to do everything. I mean, yeah. standby perms was the special the place I trained at. Yes. Where you perms were booked in every 15 minutes and you were winding yes. up. <laughs> but I think that you can't specialize until you've personally my personal opinion is I don't think you can specialize until you've done the whole run the whole gamut and seen what there is because quite often young people and maybe older people too if I think about it sort of it's natural for them to say I don't I don't like that I don't want to do it and it maybe it's because they can't do it Mm -hmm. and I think that it's important to be able to understand all of it and be able to do it and then see and make the choice based on based on a different merit rather than fear I feel like there's like like you have your younger generation that are all coming in now that have come since social media probably started. You have our generation that started before any of this, you know, quite a few years before, and we knew how to do everything and we've adapted and we've grown and we've learned how to do what the young generation can do. And we still know how to do what we were doing in the past. Then I think you have the, the ones who kind of maybe get stuck in the older Right. And they don't maybe it's just fear that's stopping them from going above and learning what the young kids can do. So I yes. feel like like you and I and our generation, I think we're a little special because we're we have that niche where we can do all the stuff from like everything. But we're keeping up with the new times and doing all the new Whoa. techniques, too. Shauna, Shauna, the the rules of colour haven't changed in a generation. The rules of colour are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It's how you apply it, right? So making clothes hasn't changed Mm -hmm. in many ways. You still sew them. 
but the cut of a trouser might be different right. and the fit of a jacket. And it's the same with hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people of our age group, and I mean, I am older than you, but people of, people of my age group that haven't taken on, you know, the new, the new looks that have stayed safe, they don't bring any new clients in. And so you stagnate mm-hmm. because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, you might as well be swiping cans at the supermarket. Yep. Um, then, and there's no personal growth in it. And I, I love to talk to hairdressers of our generation and to see how they've navigated this path into the 21st century. Oh, for sure. I, I, like, I'm pretty proud of the fact that, and you, I think you and I are probably the same age. You think I'm probably not your age, but I think I am. <laughs> okay. Well, we're near enough. We're near we'll enough. talk about that afterwards. After, yeah. yeah. We'll do that yeah, um, in the outtakes. But I feel like to keep the passion alive for 32 years is like, is amazing in any job. So the, I think the only way I've done that is to learn all the new techniques, learn the new um, applications, and also learn how to do social media and and work all this technical things and go on zoom and and podcast and things like that like you have to really keep up with the times I think to keep that passion alive I think you have to keep up with the times I also think being around young people which our industry is known for yeah. is really helpful because they keep you on your toes I you love know? it I mean they I love it they bring they bring an energy and a vitality and a thought process mm-hmm. to the table that I don't have and I bring something else to the table that they don't have. And together, you, you both learn from each other, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they're like, it's just so awesome to see these young ones and um, like the passion they have. And they're so hungry. And I yes. love that. That's why I love mentoring, because they're so hungry to learn. And then they take that and they apply that. And then they do so well themselves. I always say, like, I can't do this forever. At some point, I'm going to have to retire. <laughs> So somebody else has no. to do. Yeah. Somebody has to do what I can do, you know? When do you think then, Shauna? So you said that 15 years ago there was a reset. Yeah. So I can kind of imagine that very much like me, you were working behind the chair at that point. You're doing all the services, probably doing, you know, a client comes in and says, I want this, what do you think? Yes or no. And you and you sort of doing everything and not necessarily a specialist in anything, but good at good at what you were doing and you attracted the right people that you liked and then you talk about this reset so let's call it the big reset can you remember that moment when it dawned on you that it was going to have to change for you I remember the exact moment because my daughter actually who's 24 now but she helped me back then when social media first started it was I would just put up a personal um, page and so I was mixing a little bit of hair with my personal And then it was my daughter who was going to college at the time. She was like, mom, you have to make a personal or a professional page and it has to be separate from your personal. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Nobody else was doing it in the area. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So she set it up for me. And she's the one who came up with hair by Shauna Russell and which isn't like too original, but whatever. It was brand new. Right. And then uh, it says what it does on the box, though, doesn't it? It says exactly what it is. Yeah. Hair by Shauna Russell. Yeah. And so she set that page up for me. And I think that was the reset that was like, okay, like, this is going to be a professional page. This is how I'm going to get like, try to work on my brand and get my brand out there. So I think that was back in 2015. And had you thought then up until that point, had you become jaded or a little bit tired of what you were doing and was this a way that you envisaged that you could somehow change what you were doing or was it it or wasn't it as clear as that it wasn't as clear as that for me at that point I don't think it was clear for me at that point but I knew that I wanted more than just doing clientele just in my little area so people would know people in your salon would know you were great at what you were doing and you'd have this little bubble of clients that came just from the area but I just I knew that I wanted to do more and have people from other places come to me and meet interesting people like other hairstylists because it it was expensive to travel to meet people and whatnot so I kind of when I started the professional page I also reached out to a lot of people 
um, on Instagram and, and, and started relationships with them, like just Instagram relationships. And I feel like that's how I got my name known a little bit more. Well, the, the fact of it is so, so many people are terrified of all that, but it's called social media for a reason, right? Get mm-hmm. social. Get um, social. And get social and chat and talk. And, you know, that's how you get to mm-hmm. meet people that you would never normally meet, which is the, the cool thing about it. And what about, so part of the reset was that you set up your Instagram account. And, but did you, had you already started change the kind of work that you wanted to do? Had that started changing at that point? Or was it something, was it a, a market that you created for yourself? I would say at that point, I, I changed my market. That probably didn't honestly happen till about maybe three, four years ago. Because yeah. I did create this niche for myself of blonding. And getting older, I just found the back-to-back foiling and highlighting, um, you know, where it would take two, three, four hours to put something in was killing my back. And I just had decided, like, because sometimes I would close my book so I wouldn't take new clients. But then I decided, okay, I'm going to start taking new clients. I want to change what I'm doing on my page and I want to introduce more of dimensional blonding. So blonding, but with some natural left in, because I knew my body couldn't keep doing some of these big, huge jobs. So I've slowly shifted um, and just taking what I want, not just taking everything, but taking those clients that kind of fit this profile. And then you got to make sure that you are posting what you want to, because those are the people that are going to reach out to you. That's a real gem though, isn't it? Yeah. that's that's clever because a lot of people do close the books. And I always think closing your book is a mistake because a few people disappear and move off or mm-hmm. fail, and then suddenly you've got, you can't fill that space. But to open your book and only only take on the ones that you want, mm-hmm. the, the direction that you want to go, and mm-hmm. that's not being rude or anything. That's just sort of saying, okay, this is where I want to take my career. And and utilising the, the spaces that are in your column for your own career path, your own good. That's really clever because yeah. I think a lot of people people wouldn't think of doing that. I feel like it's um, hairstylists. Uh, we are people pleasers. And yes, we're people pleasers and we want to make people happy, but we also have the right in our chair to be happy, right? Amen to that one. Right? Absolutely. We, yeah. have, we have the right yeah. to be happy and not like, you know, in the back room, like, a, like crying and upset because there's someone in our chair that we don't want in our chair, but... Um, yeah, I just decided I've been working with a life coach in the last six months and I've had so many realizations and I feel like that's going to be the next reset. Almost we're all doing so well with social media behind our chairs, making money, kind of got the clientele that we want. Now we got to figure out how to balance that with personal and professional and our own life happiness. Yes. I wonder if I wonder if there is such a thing as that balance though. That's the thing I struggle with uh, finding the balance because I'm such I love work, right? And work, work. My my career defines me I yes. think, more than anything else. I mean, I've got some personal goals I'm very proud of, um, but with within my career, that's what that's my happy spot. Well, um, I did want to talk to you. <laughs> I did want to talk to you about that because I feel like can we be really successful? at your professional and really successful at your personal. I don't think we can. Um, I think you can be slightly. <laughs> slightly. Because at one point something suffers. I'm still with the same guy, you know. I mean, we've been we've been together for 18 years. Me too. Um so I mean I I think I, th- I think that's quite successful. Yeah. But career-wise, I you know, I'm I'm very career driven. Yeah, I would driven. say that I am too. And I'm competitive. Yeah, I am too. What I mean by maybe not as successful, because I've been married for 27 years. Yeah. So I find that a success for sure. But I mean, I put way more energy into my professional than I did into personal. Um, so did I miss lots of stuff with my daughter? Probably. You know, did I stay at home when she was sick? No, my husband did. Certain things like that. I feel like um, a lot of my energy went into the professional, which is what makes me happy. Yes. And it, but it's hard to get that balance. I think it's really hard to get the balance. And I think it's, I always am slightly bemused 
when young people talk about a work-life balance. And I'm just like, I don't know how you're going to get where you want to be without really sacrificing something along the way there. I mean, but then maybe I'm just an old man that's done it the old fashioned way. I think that's just our generation, how we were raised. Like you just work really, really hard. Um, Yeah. And then to get what you want. But I do feel like a lot of the girls, I'd say in their thirties and younger in the salon, they're more about the work-life balance. So they are going to quit at five o'clock and go home. Whereas I'm going to stay till, you know, <laughs> nine, 10 o'clock PM, you know, <laughs> but maybe they're smarter. I don't know. Yeah. I stopped, I stopped taking late night clients, um, maybe four or five years ago. And I'm just like, I don't want to be here. Uh, I don't want, I, I think I walked through the door one night and it was like nine, eight thirty, nine o'clock. And, you know, I always lived near work. I was always yeah. fortunate in London. And it was just like, it's too late to cook dinner and enjoy it. And then I have to go to bed because I've got to get up and go to the yeah. gym and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I, I was like, no, I don't want to do late night clients anymore. And, it, you know, people that were trying to get in after work rather than come in on a Saturday. Well, it's actually, I want to enjoy my evening at home too. And so yeah. I, I, I didn't really have too much of a problem saying I don't want to do late nights anymore. That's for sure. I changed that just last year. So when we COVID started, we, the salon was shut down for two months. And then it was in that time that I was like, wow, like, this is nice being home in the evening and whatnot with my family. And so when I got back, we could only work four days a week. And I was working five days, usually 10 to 12 hour days. So we could only work four days to get everybody in the salon at having full days with COVID because we were only using every second station. So then, um, so then I kind of got, I'm like, I like this four day thing. And I also realized I don't need to kill my body anymore. So I, I never had set times in my schedule. Like I never blocked it off. I start at 10 and I end at eight. I just left it open. So then I would keep booking, keep booking, keep booking people. And, and then I would be so mad at myself for staying so late. Right. So now I have these set schedule and I stick to it. And I've learned to say no. And my life coach has definitely helped me with that. I really think hairstylists should have a life coach. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I would say my last, you know, in London, I was sort of saying my last, my last color clients, four o'clock, right? Because that means that you would get out about 6.30, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock still, if you were doing that. Because they've got to be processed and yeah. blow-dried. And all of that. So it's like, yeah, you've got to take a bit more control of your column. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think COVID has shown many of us that there are different ways to work than what was our normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm definitely open to hearing those stories. But when you changed your column, you decided to open your column mm-hmm. and bring, bring on a, a different, a kind of the direction you wanted to go. What happened for you? Um, how did you how did you do that? How did you kind of get the women that you wanted in your chair? And how did you manage to change your Instagram feed to reflect all of that? Was that tough? Um, what I did is I actually put a model call out and I got virgin hair in my chair. And I'm like, I'm going to nice. do a dim- dimensional balayage. I learned this new balayage on BTC University. It was called Brazilian balayage. And I use that still now. I absolutely love it. I've adapted it to my own way of doing it. But so I got a model, I did this dimensional balayage. And I took like 100 pictures, all different, you know, straight, wavy, all different. um, And I just started posting that. And then I got another model and I would just charge them par cost. So that's what I did, because if you're not posting what you want, you're not going to get that. So then people, right? So people are going to see that. And sometimes you have to take money out of your pocket to shift what you want, right? I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, again, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I, the models that I do on my feed, they were all, I've never charged Mm -hmm. those women, for that but they were the women that I wanted to showcase what I did but they gave me their time I mean they yeah. did pay for it they could have done a booking 
um, they were in magazines and all that stuff. So it, I think that I think it's, it's I think it's clever of us to think not just think about short term cash in yeah. pocket, cash in till, but think about longevity and how how are you going to get that? And that's about making content, doing doing mm. things for free. I yeah. hate the word free because I don't think it's right. But doing them at no cost to the models that you want, but you get so much out of it. You get so much out of it. And I actually do, that's part of my apprenticeship program is with these young girls. They have one model day and it's part of our program. They can't say no, that they come in for free and work for free. And um, they're creating content for their Instagram. So I find by the time they're, halfway through being on the uh, apprenticeship thing with me, their Instagram is already being built up and they're already getting DMs for people who want to pay. Yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer. Like if you if you want to shift or if you want to grow your Instagram because that's our portfolio to something that you want, you have to put yourself out there. You have to do some of these things for free and then you got to start posting it. And then I also believe in this for someone who wants to do a price change. If you want to do a price change, don't have your books closed because any new client you get in, you can say, well, these are my prices and you can give yourself a raise that way. But if you're, yes. if it's closed, then it's a little bit more uncomfortable to tell your previous clients, oh, I'm raising my prices to reflect our time. Ah, so you, you do price changes for new clients, but old clients stay the same or you just move everyone I, I slowly have moved old clients up. But for any new I, this is my, this is my prices. And of course I raised them. So that was when I did that uh, reset of trying to change my clientele. I also raised my prices. I started working by the hour. Ah, yeah. And also I suppose this, that also helped you move some of the clients out that you didn't really want to do anymore. You know, I have some of my old clients since I started here. I mean, I've only lived here for about 16 years now. So 15 years of clients, yeah, 15 years of clients. So I do keep some of my old prices for people. Um, but yeah, I just slowly raised, you know, if it was like back-to-back baby lights, because we were going to talk about this, about how everything's changed in our industry so much. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that now? I do. <laughs> I, you take over the podcast. Thomas, forget it. <laughs> Sean has taken over. <laughs> I do want to talk about how how you see the change because, and this is where I'm trying to go with the conversation because very much you're very much part of the change because you and I have been in the industry a long time, but you've managed, like myself, to navigate the changes and be successful in it. And what it looked like then to what it looks like now is very different. And we've had to adjust our pricing because we're spending so much time behind, like, you know, on one appointment or our application. So even for clients who they're shifting to the new looks and now they used to be like a half head of half head of um, highlights and a full head of highlights back in the day I used to book. I could do a half head and cut an hour and a half. I think a full head was two to two and a half hours worth everything. And now I'd say a half head of baby lights take me just an hour and a half to apply. So now that appointments become three, three, three and a half hours. A full head of baby lights, I actually book it's five hours. Wow. You know, so it's it can it can be poke your eyes out time, can't it? Really, with mm. the, the baby lights. Yeah. And um I, the other day I think you poked it, was it I think it was you that posted about baby light or a fine slice, and it's like a fine slice wins, right? Because it it looks the same if it if it is a fine slice. I love it. I, I just started doing that and I'm never going back to weaving. Like everything. <laughs> Fine slices for everybody. <laughs> fine slices around the hairline and then weaves through everywhere, yeah. fine weaves through everything else. Yeah. How do you, what, what do you think, what do you think changed? Do you think the client requests changed or do you think that technically we needed to just jump it up a level? Do you know what I mean? Because for so long, it was classic highlights ruled the waves, right? And then like 2007, you got the financial crash mm-hmm. within like a rooted look. You know, t- over 10 years later, we're still doing rooted hair. Mm-hmm. 15 years later, still got a rooted feel. Well, definitely a year from the UK. So UK is always ahead of us. So you probably started doing the rooted look quite ahead of us. Because I feel like, I guess that started probably here 10, 
10, 15 years ago then with the, with the rooted looks and ombre is how it started. We weren't even yes, really for everyone. I think. Yeah. Everybody had an ombre. So it was a solid root and a solid blonde or whatever it was. Right. Um, but that was so interesting because I, I remember when I did my first balayage or ombre, I YouTubed it. I didn't know how to do this. I've never learned how to do it. There was no classes out there for that. So I went on YouTube oh. and I learned like the week before, like every night I'm on YouTube and learning how to do it. And I was probably all coming out of the UK. I don't know. And so my first, first balayage, I still remember it. I started with 30 or 40 ball and probably blonde me. And of course those pieces broke off at the end, but oh God. yeah, because I didn't, I, I didn't know what I was really doing, you know, and, and now we know so much about lift and processing um, and the lift is in the can and the, in the bleach and all this kind of stuff. So I just, I just remember doing my first balayage. I was just so nervous and um, I got through that. And then um, I guess until people started putting stuff out on social media for us to take classes, then I just was so thirsty for education to try and like up my game to do all these new techniques. But from what we know now of balayage and what I first started with is it's just crazy. It's just everybody was was orange, I think, because I didn't know anything about like I thought open air. You could just slap something on there and, and no, no um, incubation or anything and, and the saturation and everybody was orange, I think. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Orange, as the French might say. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I found that. Um, I've, I've been doing balayage much longer and I'm teaching it for a product house mm-hmm. but what I found in the marketplace was that no product companies were really talking to people like you and me that work behind the chair mm-hmm. they were talking it was all sort of you know it was all kind of avant-garde yeah. and you know it, you know punchy colors mm-hmm. and all of this stuff and the Instagrammer influencers the initial ones that started off and you had, you know, you had braids and balayage and all that stuff going on. And that's where it really changed because all of us that work behind the chair, were looking for ways in which to work behind a chair and produce beautiful work, mm-hmm. work that spoke to our clients. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't happening. And then suddenly you started seeing people that were posting stuff and it was like, oh, that's really pretty. My client would like that. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. And they started teaching and showcasing and we started watching and it I think that really was the big turning point in in our industry Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I you know and then there's the turning point of turning like into educating ourselves you know I never set out to be an educator um I don't think I'm the best educator but um there's like there's so I think that's the best place to be though. I yeah. think the best place to be is not to believe you're the best educator because that's yeah. when it's a disaster. Sorry, you do the work that people want to know how to do. Yeah. I try to keep it very casual. This is just me behind my chair. I'm not saying this is the only way to do it. Hey, this is just how I do it. You know? This is what works for this me. This is what yeah, has worked. What it's, it's successful. I think I feel like our industry just keeps transforming. Right? Like we're getting all these new, new um, techniques and applications, keeping up with that, social media, keeping up with that, and then going into the educating aspect, keeping up with that. And it just keeps evolving. But I think that's how we keep our passion. I think it is. But I think that there's something different in that. And I think that when you talk, when you're talking and you're talking, you, you give some really clear, honest posts about if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you go through and you pick out bits in a, a dodgy section. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't think I would just go mad if that was in front of me. It's sort of five hours of picking those pieces up. But you've really defined mm-hmm. that as, as your go-to speciality. Right. I just, um, I think uh, my strive for perfection um, has probably created that. Um, I just, and being a people pleaser, I just so want to give them their hair, their dreams. And I know lots of people I um, do things in session sessions, but I try to do it in that session. Like, let's do everything. You do it all in one session. go. Yeah, all in one go. Yeah. It might take us six, seven hours, eight hours. I don't know. 
but um, you know, the payoff is they're happy. They get to walk out with this beautiful blonde even. And of course I'm doing, you know, I charge by the hour. So the payoff is money too. Right. So I feel like, I don't feel like I'm doing all this work for nothing. You've What you've done is you've been able to do what you like to do yeah. and charge for it properly because hairdressers are notorious for not wanting to charge yes. for it. By charging for the hour and the product, you've been able to say, okay, I can do the work that I want mm. and enjoy it. And the attention to detail. I mean, some of those transformations are bloody amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, wow. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's very time consuming and it's a very different way of working. It's so time consuming. But uh, I don't know. I, I think that's where like I get so much joy out of that. I I always look at color corrective as a puzzle. And I always yes. loved to do puzzles as a child. Like that was one of my favorite things to do. And so I think I've just now I'm doing adult grown-up puzzles on people's hair. You, you know, you just gotta take it one piece at a time. Yeah, I, I'm a great believer in that, but I just I, yeah. I love the way that you've you've turned it into your niche. Yeah. You know. Yeah you've turned it into this niche and that you also, you give so much of that away to people mm-hmm. freely, you know, that, that mentoring mm-hmm. thing, that, that giving yeah. away of what you know and passing on its possible legacy, I suppose. Well, I have started this new venture of private education on a private page on Instagram. It's been a little bit of daunting, but uh, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> it is daunting, isn't it? It, sure it really is, is daunting. But I'm going to forge ahead and see how that goes. And it's something that like so many people like hairstylists, I have, I think a large part of my following is hairstylists behind the chair. And they're always like, do you have any online education? Do you have any online education from all over the world? And then I'm like, okay, I need to create this. I need to create this. So once again, my daughter went to school for digital design and development and um, marketing. So she's the girl that runs all my stuff for me and I get paid for it. And uh, she helps me so much with that. And so I feel like we're just getting started with that. But yes. I, I, I discovered in lockdown that, you know, obviously it, social media was really good for me yeah. digitally. It was good for my soul. It was good for my, my mind. And it was, it was, it was a way of doing something that kept me busy and a way of giving something back. Right. And, you know, a lot of us started opening digital platforms and private ones. And I don't think I realized how much work it was until I was in the middle of it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is really another full-time job on top of everything else I'm doing. Uh, um, yeah. And this is, this is the awful thing. I wish I had a kid that could do it for me, but yeah. of course I don't. Well done, Shauna. Yeah. This child finally came in. I know, right? <laughs> There's this thirst from hairdressers for knowledge. Then there are, you know, for us, the ones that say they can't be bothered or whatever, there are, you know, 10 or 15 that really want to know mm-hmm. what you do. And there are so many options out there now that it's quite, it's quite a heavily saturated market, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How do you think you're going to stand out in that in the long term? Um, I think that's what I felt was the daunting part because I put this out there and you expect that, oh, you're going to have hundreds of people right away signing up because, because so many people were asking me and I feel like I didn't do it necessarily for the money. I just did it because I saw, I, I just didn't want to say no to people anymore. Like, no, I don't really have anything. Um, and I feel like, uh, I was just being kind of driven towards this private education page, but Um, how I'm going to stand out from that. I think I just got to stay true to myself. Like I've paid for other people's pages because I wanted to see how they did it. But then I'm like, no, Shana, don't do that. Don't copy what somebody else has done. I've done that in the past because with social media and seeing how everybody else is doing everything, it's so easy to be caught up. And I have to be like, like, uh, camouflage and balayage, Amy. I like, I just love her content. I love what she does. With your balayages, I love what you do too, Jack. And it's like, you look at that and you're like, I have to do this direction. I have to do it like them. And I, I learned that last, well, the last couple of years. And I think what's talking to the life coach too, is I'm good enough to be who I want to be. Like, like people are coming to look at my stuff because of me, not because I'm trying to copy what somebody else is doing. So I I feel like with this private page, I just got to keep on doing what I'm doing, like, like being authentic. And I think that's what, where I come into play is 
just be authentic. Like you really want these people to learn. And I, I try to, I have, it has to be so professional, the videos and all this kind of stuff. Right. And the editing and everything has to be so perfect. And I'm like, sometimes my arm is in the video and my daughter's like, mom, your arm is in the video too much. You're going to have to like watch your body, body placement and all this kind of stuff. So I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to like plow forward and, and just see how it goes. And I've given myself a time frame of six months just to see how this private education page is going to churn up, like, you know, churn and just keep doing that. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's true. Yeah. It, it, it is, would be too easy to look at somebody else's private education page yeah. and to then start copying it and to second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. When your success is built on, it's built on you. My success is built on what I do. Your yeah. success is built on what you do. Everyone's is built on what they bring to the mm-hmm. table. And I, I think that private education digital education most definitely has a place in the 21st century mm-hmm. along with in-person which I know you do in person as well yeah. like me and they sit very beautifully together but I think that we have to I think that we have to be in it for the long haul not the short haul. that's what I think for, yeah. for the private education pages yeah mm-hmm. and I'm really treating mine like a baby and I'm nurturing it and you know I'm sort of playing around with it and ideas and you know I sort of see it that Instagram is the window to my world uh, mm-hmm. what I do and how I think and then you know in person is people can get you know they can actually I can be next to somebody I can say oh maybe just try this and the nuances that you wouldn't get online and then online gives you a, a more of a more of a taste than, mm-hmm. than uh, Instagram but not as much as me in person but also I bring other people on and so they it's an experience right it becomes the world it's the 360 I think that's something I want to do is like have a guest you know somebody come on as a guest on my page and they can do a haircut but I've run into a little snag maybe you can help me with this is when I do an Instagram live and I save it upload it to Instagram tv then the sound doesn't come with it now I don't know if they're copyright from the music playing the salon and so there's no sound so I don't know what to do about that, but I got to figure that one out. Oh um, no, that would drive me absolutely bonkers. You could always do a voiceover on it. I do, but this one particular one, I I did this haircut and it didn't save. So, ah. like, it just went. I just uploaded it straight to Instagram TV, and then there's no sound. So it's yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's been like the crazy technical side of it, <laughs> which i don't love i you know i hate it when i like when i was doing a live twice a week it was it it got to be i kind of got to know it automatically but then suddenly something would go wrong and it'd be like oh my god there's no one here to help me yeah um so i had screen record on at one point you know i mean we just keep trying right i mean that's Mm -hmm. i think that's the interesting piece about this conversation the truly interesting piece is the fact that two old hairdressers are very competitive in a 21st century and a supposedly mm-hmm. youth-centered industry. And we're still trying to do it, right? We're still trying to be relevant. We still want to be relevant. Mm-hmm. We still want to participate in the conversations. Yeah. Look at me. I've got my grown-out bleached hair and you've got your lovely, big, strong yep. chunks of blonde in there. We are not messing <laughs> are around. <laughs> now, I wanted to touch on briefly with you and this is a bit that excites me as well. So much of the conversation excites mm. me, actually. Um, and when we're talking about older women, um, because, of course, the gram, I'm, my post tonight is very much about older women that I'm going to post tonight mm-hmm. and how much, in some ways, I ignore that in the conversation and we as an industry ignore that. Yet you have built a clientele out of some older, older mm-hmm. women and very successfully. What was the process in, what was the thought process in that? Uh, because there's a certain age group that pay well. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. you know, like you're 20 something, they're not really, they're not going to pay my pricing. They're going to go to no. the juniors. And so. But you, but you speak about it, Shauna, you speak about it and you post it as I, well, which a lot of people don't. Like That's pricing? the difference, right? You speak about pricing, you speak yeah. about older clients, you have older, older clients on there. You know, you are inclusive, age-inclusive on your page. Yeah, like I feel like my average clientele is probably, I'd say, 40 to 60. Yeah. And because there's all these trendy yummy mommies that want to look good. 
right? And right. and and they can relate to me, maybe over a twenty-year-old, because we're we're all going through, through menopause and doing whatever we're doing, or have grown children and things like that. So on a personal level, we relate really well in the chair. And and then on a professional level, um, one of the things I'm really proud of is uh, my gray coverage, and that is um, using Schwarzkopf Professional to get. Um, women, great coverage, but keeping it cool. Now, I, everybody (laughs) says that's not possible. And I'm like, no, it's possible, but we call it gray blending. So I've been so proud that like, and I want to bring this more to the forefront on my private education page on the gray coverage thing. Because one of my pet peeves is seeing a level seven, eight orange base (laughs) with highlights. (laughs) And so many women that age group are walking around like that. Right. And you walk down the street and you're like, that's colored. And you don't even have to look at it. Right. Because it's got that chemical orange brown. Yeah. And it's like, why is, why does that look like that? It drives mm-hmm. me mad. It doesn't and have I don't to. know. I don't know anyone that wants that color. Nobody wants that, you know, but no. I honestly have to like, Lisa loves balayage. Lisa Walker has like, yes, with what she goes on um, talking about, chemistry and color and the background has helped me immensely watching her stories and things like that um, for the science behind color, what it can do, what it can do, can't do. And ever since she came out with all color lifts warm, it doesn't matter if you start cool, start warm, all color lifts warm. So I preach this to all my clients. Now I make all color lifts warm. If you want cool and hundred percent, Great coverage, it's never going to happen. Never. You know, so there's, I think that brings me to, we have to be so realistic to our clients now, especially because they're bringing pictures in, you know, from social media, Pinterest, all of this. We have to be so clear whether they can get this or they can't. And if you want a cool base, it's going to be gray blending. Some of your grays might show. So what's more important? You want a cool color or you want... Covered. It's going to be great blending, or it's going to be a pre like the, the real old days, just before I started training, when they used to pre-lighten everyone right. and then put a tint on top. And that's the only way you can get a cool brown, right? Is by pre-lighting and put right. that on, or do it the way that you're talking about. Yeah. Lisa loves balayage. Lisa really is prolific in her yeah. in her conversation about science. Mm-hmm. And I and what's really nice to hear is that uh, an experienced talented hairdresser like yourself is still learning and is still open to the conversations about chemicals and the, the mm-hmm. chemical terminology and what happens and wants to pass that knowledge on because it's helped change the way you work. Oh, I never want to be too snobby to think that, oh, I've come up with this or, you know, I thought of this myself, some of the things I have, but so much of what I know is because of social media and seeing um, other hairstyles and how you guys all work and what you're doing behind your chair and and just learning so much now it's just opened up our knowledge like so huge and i'm a believer in not just imparting this knowledge to the other hairstylists but i impart the knowledge to my clients because i want them to know what i'm doing in my chair and some clients will be like oh that's okay i trust you and i'm like i'm not telling you this because you don't trust me i'm telling you this because i want you to know yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah i think that I think that I don't think I've invented, I've not invented anything, right? I might have refined something to make it work for mm-hmm. me. Um, but everything that I have has been given to me by somebody else in the industry and that I've just gone with it. And mm-hmm. there's nothing new. I've not, you know, and I think that that keeps you humble. And I think that keeps you honest. And then people can relate to those conversations. I'm sure you've created your own placements, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think don't so. So many, sure yeah. I... so many people probably say that about you, Jack. They probably like that they learn so much from you. <laughs> well, that's that's the nature of our game, right? That's the nature of our industry yeah. um, to mentor and to mm-hmm. pass on the knowledge and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shauna, you mentioned just br- very briefly your mentoring program. Is, is that in salon or is that a national program that you're part of that you're mentoring? Or it's actually my partner that I work with. He is not a hairstylist. Yeah. He's just an entrepreneur and has other salons. And um, it was more his idea than anything, because when him and I got together, um, 
and partnered up in the salon that we have right now, he wanted to give me an, um, an assistant for free. That was kind of my payment for managing. And um, I'm like, okay, because I never worked with an assistant before that. I have previously, but not at that point. And then he gave me that and he's like, okay, so they're going to work with you like four days a week. And then they're going to come in one day for free and do a model. And I was like, huh, you want me to hire these people and tell them that? I'm like, nobody's going to want to come in for free and do that. Even though I would do it myself, I thought people wouldn't want to be hired on being told that they had to work one, one day a week for free. But anyway, we persevered with this. It was our own kind of program that we like put together. And it's just, it's just, um, it's been great. So it's not national. It's just in salon. I get emails, I would say weekly from girls that are finishing school because it must, the name's out there now that Philomena Salon. And, you know, they write me like very nice letters that they want to train under me specifically. Uh, So I never have to go search usually for these, these stylists. It's been just, it's been so rewarding. And like, we're creating this army of hairstylists and like junior hairstylists. And what I love about it is they, you're creating this army of people that are going to do hair with the quality you want them to do. Yes. But they're, but they're also going to be able to put their own spin on it. Oh, for sure. Because they're going to have a solid foundation and that they have that grounding that you've given them and that they can then go on and do what they want to do, which is basically what we've done, right? Mm -hmm. We've, we've taken things, we've been given things and we've put our own spin on them. And to send somebody young out into the industry with that kind of skill set is pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. You know, I feel like they're very lucky. They're very lucky to get like, you know, mentors, because that was one of the things in the industry um, that might be a little bit of a negative is um, like I had this girl that has come to me and she's been in the industry for two years already. And nobody's really like she's been mentored, but I don't know, not properly. And she just needs she needs help just to get her there. And I feel like maybe people are too secretive behind their chairs. They don't want to give out formulas. They don't want to have somebody come up to them asking, how do you do this? And I believe as an older stylist that we should, we should mentor these, these kids. We, we should share our knowledge. Like I totally, like, and I feel like there's a little, like, like people like to keep their secrets, you know, but. There are no secrets. There are really no secrets because you can find it all out there. What the difference is, I think, Shauna, is that your personal eye, your taste level, you can't teach that. That's personal. That comes from, that's internally. Mm -hmm. But what you teach is you teach the fundamentals, the sciences, the hows, the whys, the whats, and then that person then puts their taste level on it and goes off. So nobody Mm -hmm. will work this. You and I, same qualifications, same clientele, same years of experience. Mm -hmm. You will do something slightly different to me because that's, how you see it Mm -hmm. and I will do it slightly different to you because that's how I see it and I hate absolutely loathe and hate and detest to hear that people are are saying don't tell people how to do this don't show this it just drives me mad it's so old-fashioned and it's so uncaring it is why is that person working with you Mm -hmm. when you know and shampooing and getting coffees and running around and assisting you why are they doing that if you're not going to impart your bloody knowledge it's it's shocking that that still goes on i agree i agree right we start the revolution shona yeah let's start a revolution we start the revolution The old ones mentoring the young ones. Well, and the young ones mentoring us too. That's the joy of it, as I said. I learned so much from them too. Absolutely. I mean, my assistant, John, who's now on the floor, I mean, he did all my filming for me at one point. Mm. I'm totally lost without him at the moment because I've not not got a new assistant. And just the the thought process was just so much fun to be around. I like being around young people. I do too. For a minute. <laughs> for a minute. But I need to be about 8.30. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love I love our young ones. Um, yeah, we've got quite a few juniors in our salon, but our juniors are because of the program we're doing. Once they're on the, because I don't give them four or five days right off the bat on the floor. We slowly get them onto the floor, and by the time they're on the floor, they're booked a month out. They're already booked a month out. It's crazy. I just like wow. I just and I, and a lot of that is social media. 
Amazing how it's changed, right? I love the idea of this reset and I'm really can't wait to see what your next reset mm-hmm. is as I enter mine, really, because mine, this is a reset for me moving here. So I'm looking forward to seeing that part of the journey and I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time out of today and joining us on this and, um, and for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom. So thank you so much, Shauna Russell. And um, I'll see you on Instagram. Okay, thank you so much, Jack. I loved having this chat with you. And we will see you on Instagram. Love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favorite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor, C-O-L-O-R.com. Hold up. 